And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is Dr. Ed Cathy. He's pastor of Grace and Peace Presbyterian Church in California, Maryland. Ed, it's great to have you with us today. Well, thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be with you once again. You know, um, this uh, time frame here is an exciting time frame uh, in the Christian year. We've just come through Lent, and uh, we celebrated um, Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, and it's now Saturday, tomorrow being Resurrection Day. One of the topics that um, we want to talk about today is is that of righteousness. And, uh, Ed, maybe you can get us started. Perhaps the listener from time to time will, will feel um, almost a false pressure from the world to be conformed or fit into a mold, or maybe the world tries to tell the listener what it thinks is righteous, but we really want to focus today on on the contrast and what real righteousness is. So, Ed, maybe you can get us started today. Sure, Dan. Well, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have God's yes and amen to restoring the world to the way he originally created it to be. And we're told uh, in, well, in Ephesians 4, for instance, that in Christ we are to be putting on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God. So that goes back to creation. And it says, in true righteousness and holiness. So, God created Adam and Eve and gave them original righteousness and holiness, and that has been spoiled by sin. And in the work of Jesus Christ, it is to be restored. We're to put off the old ways and to be putting on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And this is also something that was announced uh, when... Zechariah was singing the song of Zechariah, we call it Benedictus, uh, after the first word in the the Latin uh, Bible for that uh, section of Scripture. Um, And he was praising God because God was sending John, his son, and John, his son, was to be the forerunner of Jesus. And so what he says there in um, Luke chapter 1, verses... Um, well, 67 through 74, but in 75, he says, he's praising God and saying that he is to restore us in holiness, and we're to walk in holiness and righteousness before God all our days. That is, again, uh, looking forward to what Christ was going to bring, this holiness and righteousness. But um, our society uh, has redefined what is holy and righteous for us as a people. And uh, if there's a vacuum when people don't have God's law to inform them of holiness and righteousness, the state or the society will come in and impose another kind of holiness and righteousness. The basic aspect of the image of God is righteousness and holiness. Lenski says that righteousness is God's unchanging love of what is right, and holiness is his unchanging aversion to sin. 
So righteousness is obedience to God's law, whatever it declares, and holiness is our separation to the Lord to live out this righteousness. Now, uh, an important author back in the 1970s, R.J. Rushdoony, said this, Humanism wants to define righteousness in terms of a social virtue, whereas Christianity makes it inescapably a theocentric virtue. In Christianity, our righteousness has reference to God's law and relates to other humans and ourselves only as mediated by God's law. But humanism posits a social righteousness based on the trends and ideas current in a society at any particular moment. And it despises the law of God and rejects uh, obedience to God's law. You know, I... um I love hearing about God's law. Uh, I think, Ed, that some folks um, maybe have been turned off in the past um, considering God's law. They think, well, there's this contrast in Scripture that's made regarding how we are made righteous, and we know that it's not by the law, but there's something much more. Can you help us uh, deal with that in particular um, how about the Christian that's that's afraid of the law? Can you help us there? Well, the law of God, um, as he gave it, has a moral component which is always relevant, never goes away. It has a civil component, and the general equity of the civil component is applicable. And then there's a ceremonial component, which was to show forth the coming of Christ, the Savior. And we don't need to observe the ceremonial component. Uh, The civil component, where applicable, should be put into some use, but the moral part of it always is there for us. It still guides us. It condemns us because we don't live up to God's moral requirements, but we are nevertheless in Christ, already forgiven of our sins, but now called to live up to, not perfectly, but to, to work toward or to be sanctified toward living up to God's law. So uh, we're not condemned by it anymore, but it still remains as a, a beautiful pattern for us. It's good and wise and right, according to God's Word. Mm. You're bringing back a memory. I seem to recall that the psalmist said, I lift up my hands to your law. Yes, I mean, that would be a a picture of praise, wouldn't it? Lifting up someone's hands to God's law, sure. Yeah, and it's helpful, Ed, uh, in this discussion today, we're contrasting the world's righteousness with God's righteousness. Under the the topic of God's righteousness, his laws, um, you've explained um, how they're categorized. You mentioned the civil law and the general equity would would therefore apply to us today. The ceremonial law fulfilled in Jesus Christ, therefore we don't observe that. And of course, the moral law is always in season. And so um, that, briefly, is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is the Ten Commandments, by and large. That's right. And flowing out of the Ten Commandments are the particular case laws which were given to Israel to apply the Ten Commandments. And again, the general equity or the general principles of those are still useful. 
uh, in particular situations in societies. But uh, what I wanted to focus on here also, Dan, is the fact that when a culture turns away from Jesus Christ and God's Word and God's law, the, the righteousness and holiness to which we are called is going to be replaced every time. It's going to be replaced by a social righteousness and a social holiness, a secular righteousness and a secular holiness. And that's what we see today. Um, Rush Dooney says, for instance, the modern state is intensely concerned with righteousness and holiness, but in a radically anti-Christian manner. Mm. Our politically correct culture is concerned with righteousness and holiness. They want us to be righteous in the things we do and the things we don't do and the things we say and the things we don't say, but they're setting the standard for what that righteousness means. Just uh, even very recently, Indiana's um, religious freedom restoration law has been talked about a lot on the news lately. And in that law, they're saying the righteousness and holiness that is required of you people in Indiana is to always uh, have a complete acceptance of everything that is thrown at you and to never have an opposite opinion. Right. If you do, we'll get you. Right, so very true. We'll, we'll force you into this new righteousness and holiness that's being foisted upon us. And that is particularly focused at this point in our time in history on the homosexual acceptance, the marriage uh, acceptance, you know, egalitarianism, gay marriage, and all that. It seems like um, if we do away with God's righteous standards, Ed, um, we just basically open up uh, a vacuum that gets filled with something else. And uh, it is a social righteousness. And yet I think that the rules are constantly changing, too. What what a God-hater might think is good today may not be good tomorrow. I think that we're we're shooting at a moving target, if you will, if if we don't have the bedrock of of God's moral standards. Right, because there's there's always a new idea, a new definition, a new standard that's being forged um, in the midst of of a changing society when it's not rooted in God's law. Um, Isaiah five says this, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good, and who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, there are natural things. There's natural sweetness and natural bitterness and natural darkness and natural light, but those are God's creation, aren't they? Mm. But this society, um, secularizing societies, this society will simply change definitions. And uh, so that's what we have here, this, this imposed social holiness and righteousness, um, which is going to squeeze us Christians who are trying to, in Jesus Christ, put on the new self, 
which is being restored into the image of God in true righteousness and holiness based on God's standards. Mm. A couple of things come to mind, Ed, I wanted to ask you about. Um, uh, one is a fairly large question. I'll just throw it out right now, um, and that is, what, what does a godly society look like? Let's, let's suppose God moves in a mighty way in, in reviving people's hearts, uh, and, and, and many men, women, boys, and girls come to Jesus Christ and, and embrace him as, as their Lord and Savior uh, that's going to have a, an effect in society. Right on the heels of that, I just want to ask this also. Um, as a Christian pastor, you certainly want people to embrace the law of God, but my guess is that you want it to flow organically, not not to be imposed, but from the bottoms up, from the heart out. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, absolutely. Um if we were able to just legislate morality, as all legislation is some sort of morality, by the way. Sure. But if we were able to legislate God's moral standards into our culture, we would have, we would have to enforce those things, and we would have to require obedience, and it could be a difficult thing. If a culture, however, gradually emerges which is more and more biblically informed, more and more Christ-like, then those standards which would come, those laws which would be enacted, um, would become more natural, and they would fit better. They wouldn't be such a clash. For instance, Mm -hmm. uh, profanity laws. Um, There used to be profanity laws. Now there's so much profanity. It's everywhere. It's on the airwaves. It's in movies and everywhere that to try to impose a law against profanity now would uh, land a lot of people in trouble Mm. very quickly. But if in God's grace the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed and disciples are made uh, multi-generationally, then we could begin to see laws enacted which would suit and fit a Christ-like culture that was developing. Mm. It wouldn't be such a shock. And so you could say that just about all of the Ten Commandments. Um, There would be laws against blasphemy, laws against Sabbath-breaking, laws against dishonoring authorities, uh, laws against adultery. Uh, We think about those now, and if they were enacted now, it would be a shock. Oh, yeah. But in a Christ-formed culture, they could become... Things. Yeah, I, I sometimes wonder if a secularist realizes the end game, where this is all going to, um, if the Lord doesn't intervene and the Lord doesn't call large numbers of people to himself. Um, without revival and reformation, uh, the things that we assume are wrong, let's say stealing. I mean, most everybody knows that stealing is wrong. Um, without God's law, there's really no standard and you could you could posit in a in a society that stealing is okay. In fact, maybe it's very very good. Um, th- there seems to be no limit to how far this stuff can go, and and our own American culture presupposes a certain uh, Christian framework. Um, 
In fact, it was John Adams, uh, signer of the Declaration of Independence, who said something like, um, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Right. Uh, Freedom and liberty are fitting when people exercise a kind of self-control to begin with. Mm, Yeah. If there are no rules and uh, and standards completely fall away, you need more and more regulation, you need more and more police action, you need more and more control by the state to control citizens who don't have self-control. Mm. But when you have a citizenry who are shaped and formed by God's Word and who live accordingly... They don't need very many laws. They don't need very many restrictions and restraints. Right. So that's the thing that Christ calls us to. Right. I think that Christianity is uh, it's very freeing, and, and particularly as we understand, you mentioned something, the, the grace aspect, God's grace, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that. We have maybe eight minutes left. Suppose someone um, is attracted to Christ, uh, they have not yet really come to know him. Um, how how is Christ known? Uh, suppose someone says, "You know, I I like this what you're talking about. I, I'd like to know more. Uh, help me, help me believe on the Lord." Well, um, the first thing I would say is that that person needs to understand that we are created in the image of God. We are called to reflect God's likeness in our conduct and our behavior, but that we all have fallen short of God's requirements. Uh, We have all sinned, every one of us. And sin causes all kinds of problems. It ruins our lives. It uh, leaves us sad and sorry and shameful. But when we turn to God, who sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself the guilt and the condemnation for that guilt for all sinners, for all who will trust in him, then anyone who turns to him and places their hope, their faith, um, who, who clings to him as the Savior, who says, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and Lord. I accept you that person then will be incorporated into the body of Christ. That person uh, should come into fellowship with a congregation of the body of Christ and receive baptism, which is the sign and seal of membership in the body of Christ. That person will then begin to grow, and that's what grace is. God calling them into that relationship wanting them and bringing them into fellowship with himself through Jesus Christ, and then in fellowship with his people, the Church, that is, uh, that is God's normal and ordinary way of bringing people to faith in Christ. And then, beginning the process, or continuing after that, the process of teaching them to observe all that he has commanded, teaching them his principles, his ways, his laws, which are good and fair and just and right and health-giving. 
And uh, so that's how God's law comes back into the picture again for a person who turns to Jesus. So if anyone is listening, I would just encourage you, if you're not trusting in Christ, to just say, Lord Jesus, please help me to turn to you. I believe in you. Help any unbelief in me to be turned away and to turn completely to you. Help me to find in you my salvation, my hope, my peace. And uh, if someone does that, uh, God will never turn away such a prayer. He will always answer that that prayer and grant that prayer request. Mm, Amen to that. Today I'm talking with Dr. Ed Cathy. He's senior pastor of Grace and Peace Presbyterian Church in California, Maryland. And Ed, this uh, program is being heard over the network, so there's folks here in New York State and in northern New Jersey as well as southern Maryland who are listening. Um, We have maybe two or three minutes left. Um, Tomorrow is uh, Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday. It's a wonderful time. Uh, What are you folks going to be doing there at, at your church tomorrow? Well, we have a little tradition at Grace and Peace, um, we don't make a strict observance of Lent, um, but one of the things we do observe during Lent is we don't sing any hallelujahs or alleluias. I, I particularly choose the hymns uh, to, to exclude alleluias and hallelujahs and things like that. But on Easter Sunday, uh, we have a, a contest for the children of the church. Count the alleluias. And the child who can get the right number of alleluias when the service is over will get a special uh, prize of some sort. And all the children who try will also get something. So we are going to praise God and sing alleluias and say alleluias and rejoice in the resurrection of Christ because he is the hope of the world. And he is the one who restores us to true righteousness and holiness, and is restoring us to true righteousness and holiness, and uh, leads us to love the world, uh, the people in the world, that is, not the world system, and to teach the world, people around us, how to live the way God wants us to live, Mm. in Jesus Christ. Well, praise the Lord for that. And uh, Pastor Ed, thank you so much for sharing with our listeners today about this righteousness that only God can give. And it's a, it's a wonderful righteousness, and it's built on relationship, relationship with the triune God of the Scriptures. And, um, dear listener, if you would like to correspond with Pastor Ed, just use our email address here at the station. That address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. We'll forward your note to Ed and uh, then he can correspond with you. Perhaps you'd like to meet Pastor Ed Cathy in person. And Ed, maybe you could share with the folks where your church is located. Well, we are located in the center of St. Mary's County, Maryland. Uh, We're about a quarter of a mile north of Route 4, which is also called St. Andrew's Church Road. And we're on that stretch of Route 4, about halfway between the intersection of Route 235 and Route 5, or the intersection of California and Leonardtown. 
So uh, we're about halfway across the, the county there and about a quarter mile north on the little road called Benswood Road. And you should see our sign on Route 4. Okay, very good. And if someone wants to visit your church, what, what time is your service? Our morning worship service is at 10 in the morning, and we have um, a family-style Sunday school following a fellowship period, which follows worship. Okay. Worship, then fellowship, and then a family-style Sunday school. Ah, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Ed Cathy, for joining us today for A Plain Answer. And to our listener, a uh, quick reminder that this entire episode is up on our website as a podcast. If you'd like to go back and review it, uh, we can be found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Thanks for joining us today, and a reminder to join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.